Consider the Borobi. This is Katie Morikawa. Borobis can be the bane of homeowners with wood siding and other exterior wood. Accordingly, a multi-million dollar industry has arisen around killing and deterring them. But I discovered this month there is much more at stake as I tried to get a group of Borobis to move using the method I shared in my last post, talking to the bees. The stakes I came to see have to do with our relationship with native species. This shocking insight led me to discover the relatively smaller but well-established industry of adorable bee houses, which reflect a growing realization about the importance of native pollinators. The past few weeks, I've been working with my brother staining the exterior wood siding of a friend's home. It's a big project for two people, and we can only work on dry days, which fortunately have been broken up by May rains. The upshot is we've had a while on location for me to contemplate the borer bees that have been busily drilling holes in her eaves. This is apparently their active season for starting their brood nests. In my last post, Talking to the Bees, which is episode 23 on the podcast, I shared stories and a method I've developed for relocating bee, wasp, and hornet's nests. But the borer bee is one type of bee I haven't tackled, and I suspected they'd be harder to talk to since they're not organized into hives around a queen, but solitary bees burrowing individual tunnels into soft wood. Uh, Michael tells me they love untreated pine, hemlock, and cedar siding. The truth is, I've been a little lazy and haven't had a crisis to force me to try to work with them. However, I had just written the Talking to the Bees post, and now here I was, working all day, listening to borer bees actively drilling into the eaves of this house we're staining. You could hear the sounds and see the sawdust being ejected out the holes. We also found huge deep holes gouged in the backside of a second building we're working on where woodpeckers drilled in search of tasty borobi larvae. That particular wood had been stained with um, this product called Sickens, S-I-K-K-E-N-S, and it's been bought and it's under a slightly different name now. But anyway, it's a noted stain Um, that offers robust protection that had not worn thin on that wall at all. I mean, we, we almost had originally thought we didn't need to do anything to that wall except for these giant gouges in there from the woodpeckers. Um, you know, that secondary woodpecker damage is actually the worst damage caused by borer bees. Most people ignore the woodpeckers and focus on spraying and killing the bees, plugging up the holes, and doing their best to deter them by painting, staining, and finishing. It can be a constant battle if you have exterior wood, and it fuels a multi-million dollar industry. Fortunately, the homeowner, a lovely human being, was very open to letting me try and agreed to delay calling the exterminator. Uh, This is something she usually does every year or two. I mean, it's something, it's practical. I know a lot of people who do it, who consider themselves, you know, friendly toward the environment, but, you know, it's just, anyway. 
Um, and normally she would have called them immediately, but we agreed on a date later in the month. So over the next few days, I tried to do what I've done with regular bees, wasps, and hornets, um, talking to them in my mind, urging them to build somewhere else, visualizing the situation, and telling them the exterminator would be there in a few days. Day after day, I heard them chewing away, sawdust shooting out, and happily carrying on without a seeming care in the world. I concluded that they either couldn't hear me or were ignoring me completely. And honestly, I was feeling annoyed. So much damage to an important structure. So I told the homeowner I hadn't had success so far and that she should go ahead and schedule the exterminator for the delayed date we discussed. And I would still keep on trying in the meantime. Annoyed, frustrated, my conscience nagging at me, I dug deeper into the borer bee and came up with information that ultimately shocked me. Borer bees are carpenter bees. They bore into soft wood to build brood chambers, but they don't eat the wood. Instead, they feed on pollen and nectar. They are solitary bees in that they They don't live in hives or nests with a single queen, so that wasn't new. Um, In fact, every female is a queen who lays her own eggs and is involved in the care and raising of her young. But they're usually social and often prefer to build their brood chambers, that's the drilled holes, near each other. Additionally, some mothers and daughters will share an, like an intergenerational chamber or set of connected chambers and raise their young collaboratively. Borer bees or carpenter bees are important pollinators for some flower species, and they're even obligate pollinators in a few cases, meaning they're the only thing that will pollinate just, you know, a few species of flowers, including, I think, passion flower. Seems crazy, but... Um, The carpenter bee genus Xylocopa has almost 500 varieties, including if you include all the subgenera. Like, there's really minor differences. Um, I think probably technically even within a species classification... I'm not 100% sure about that. I couldn't find all of the information I would have liked. (laughs) But anyway, that comes from Wikipedia. In the United States, there are five commonly occurring species. There are two eastern species, Xylocopa virginica and Xylocopa micans. And there are three western species, um, and they and uh, Xylocopa sonorina, Californica, and Tabaniformis orpifex. Yeah. Anyway, um, and the eastern and western divide is the Rocky Mountains, apparently. And uh, Xylocopa virginica is by far the most common, and it's the one, I believe, that we have around here. Um, It certainly looks like the one that I saw the other day. Um... And I've got pictures of these, but you can also go look online. Um, If you Google carpenter bee, 
uh, you should get there and you can just look at them. The, the main difference between a carpenter bee and a bumblebee, which they resemble in size and sort of behavior, uh, except for obviously where they nest, is that they have a shiny uh, butt. Like the back half of the body is not fuzzy, it's shiny and black. Um, but the top part could be fuzzy and yellow or whatever. Um, they are very docile. And in some cases, the males don't even have a stinger at all. They can't even sting you. <laughs> the five common species of carpenter in, bee in North America are all native. This article by the Penn State Extension, uh, the Eastern Carpenter Bee Beneficial Pollinator or Unwelcome House Guest, goes so far as to attribute up to 15% of food crops to the pollinating activities of native bees like the eastern carpenter bee. As I looked around, trying to find more specific numbers on the role of carpenter bees beyond the broader category of native bees, and to try to understand which crops benefit from them, something occurred to me. The five main species of carpenter bee in North America are all native. And suddenly the scope of the issue struck me with a resounding shock. And it's basically this. Native pollinator bees would have had to have evolved in North America as an integral part of the overall ecosystem. That's how native species work. They find and fill an ecological niche or they keep evolving into something new, or they go extinct. But if they're around and they're native to an ecosystem, like they're an important part of that ecosystem. And so suddenly their importance to agriculture actually felt trivial next to their importance to the entire biome of North America. Not only are native bees essential to some native plants, but the much more famous honeybee is not even native to this continent. And though the honeybee does amazing things for us, the native bees take care of all the nooks and crannies in a way the honeybee was not evolved to do. The U.S. Geological Survey, in an article entitled How Many Species of Native Bees Are in the United States, goes so far as to say, quote, Honeybees are key to a few crops, such as almonds and lemons, but native bees, like the blue orchard bees, are better and more efficient pollinators of many crops, including those plants that evolved in the Americas. Native bees are estimated to pollinate 80% of flowering plants in the world, unquote. Native bees include a huge array of types, from carpenter bees to leafcutter bees to sweat bees to the super pollinator mason bee. Willy-nilly spraying, the borer bees suddenly seemed terribly short-sighted. In fact, I would go so far as to say that we cannot consider any native species a pest. You can learn more about our native bees in this publication from the USDA Forest Service entitled Bee Basics, An Introduction to Our Native Bees by Beatrice Moisset, PhD, and Stephen Buckman, PhD. And I have links in the show notes and in the blog post at katiemorikawa.com. 
And the title of this post, again, is Consider the Bora Bee. Or if you search Bee Basics, an introduction to our native bees, you might find it. It looks really nice. There's all these custom illustrations and I mean, it's definitely soft petals, the danger of carpenter bees to wood siding, because like I have witnessed for myself that they will drill away regardless of stain or paint. And, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, they're they're quite persistent if they need a home. Um, however, this um, uh, publication, as well as other articles I've read, point out the threatened status of many native bees due to habitat loss, climate change, introduced diseases, and pesticides, you know, which I'm suddenly so aware of. I mean, even the most ecologically conscientious of my friends will willingly exterminate the carpenter bees that get into their houses, you know, into their siding. It's like, you know, yeah, it's like damaging my house. So, of course, I'm going to call the exterminator because, you know, it, it, you know, it comes down to it's us versus them. But it turns out that there are other ways, even if you don't aspire to talk to the bees. <laughs> and I suspect that these bees, they can't hear that kind of communication, which is very interesting. So anyway, I discovered a whole industry around providing housing for carpenter and mason bees. <laughs> So if you search Amazon for Carpenter Bee House, you will find a ton of options. And you know, you can Google it or search YouTube and you'll find a ton of DIY videos because actually it does not take rocket science. Um, you just drill, you kind of have to drill a deeper hole um, into untreated and non-toxic wood. So pressure treated, you know, lumber is not good. Um, we happened to have some, uh, anyway, so, you know, but you can use anything and you drill that the holes are like half inch diameter for carpenter bees and down to a quarter inch in diameter for mason bees and up to six inches deep for the carpenter bees, three or four inches deep for the mason bees. And then you mount it on a south facing wall so that they stay warm in the winter because they do overwinter. Um, and Anyway, and also because apparently you can simply coax them with bee houses because they would much rather move into something ready-made than have to go through all that work to drill out their own tunnels from scratch. I mean, they're a little lazy, <laughs> which I think is awesome. So I actually recruited Michael this weekend to help me build some bee houses for us to use here. Um, and for the homeowner where my brother and I are doing the staining project and I've got a photo in the blog post and I'll drop a link into the show notes directly to the image. So you don't have to come to my website if you don't want to, but just to look at that. And I don't know, I think they're really cute. They, um, we had some blocks of pine, not treated pine. And so we cut them and we drilled holes into the fronts and, uh, we, we cut an angled for our roof uh, and we had some like oak boards and so there's a little slanted roof it gives a little protection and then we have hangers so you can just hang it on the wall or somewhere you can kind of hang it wherever you know because i think there's some experimentation so 
You know, most people use these to attract mason bees because they're such efficient pollinators. They're smaller than carpenter bees. And um, I don't, you know, have an agenda of that here personally, but the person whose house we're staining has a big garden. So I thought, oh, well, you know, we could try that, see how that is. But, um, you know, people are also using this for the carpenter bees because you know, they're either kind-hearted or it's a non-toxic way to deter them from drilling into your wood siding. It's like if there's something already ready-made, you know, you can just do it. But I think it's going to take a little trial and error to see if it, you know, how well it works, you know, if it matters based on the spot where you hang it. Um, we've hung ours and I don't think it's attracted any bees yet. <laughs> But we don't have very many um, because apparently Michael has been spraying poison in the holes whenever he finds them and killing them on site, which I didn't know about. So he's promised to give me a year to find a way to work with the borer bees that we have here. And so we'll ha we'll see what happens. We don't have any crazy deadline on that. Um, and then I'm just, you know, crossing my fingers and hoping that the, the homeowner on that staining project is willing to wait until next year as well. Because, you know, the bees that I was looking at in her eaves, you know, they're, they've probably already finished building their brood chambers. So getting them to evacuate into these new bee houses may be like a tall ask, especially if I can't like talk to them in my mind. I don't know. Anyway, uh, they have a single brood season. So they lay one batch of eggs in the midsummer, and then, you know, they sort of like, there's a maturation phase, and then they, they hibernate over winter, and then they, I don't know what happens. They come out and they forage, and then they do a new cycle. <laughs> so um, I am, looking forward to that and I'm really like excited and just so charmed by the fact that people have figured out how to do this and that you know there's a whole collection of cute bee houses you can buy on Amazon so it feels like a big revelation to me and I don't think you need to be trying to grow a fruit orchard to put out bee houses like I think the majority of people who are doing it are trying to attract mason bees so that they can get their fruit trees growing or something. But it's definitely an alternative to dealing with carpenter bees in your wood siding. I don't think this will create an infestation of more and more carpenter bees. Um, that was an objection of Michael's because they eat nectar and pollen. So it's the flowers in the environment that support them ultimately. I mean, you can give them like tons of free housing, but if they don't have any food, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna limit the, the population numbers. Um, but it will help strengthen the unique environment of North America to protect one of its native pollinators. So that's my thesis for now. And, um, I will check in with you next time. I was thinking of doing like follow-ups and check-ins at the ends of posts, but I'm worn out. <laughs> I'm out of breath. Uh, and I've got another long week of work, so it might be again another couple weeks before a new post. 
All right. Talk to you next time.